author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries coming to you from just outside Washington, D.C. As the, as the promo says, every Friday at this time... I have a great guest today, and I've I've somehow misplaced her uh, introduction, which is I should have I should have brought it up earlier. Um, Eben Thranholm is uh, just a, a fantastic uh, has a wonderful background as a uh, a journalist uh, based in Denmark, and she has written a lot about it. She was uh, referred to me by my friend Marianne Manley, who told me the great work she's uh, she's done, and uh, certainly in terms of. Uh, the truth about Russia and everything else. And we want to talk to you about that. So even I'm so sorry that I, I I couldn't find your introduction quickly enough. I should have had it brought up before. So tell us a little bit about yourself since I obviously, you know, can't find it. Yeah, I have it here uh, in my email so I can, I, I can read it for you. If okay. You want. Okay. That, that would be but, great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, I am. I am a, a journalist. Actually, I am a theologian. I studied theology. I'm a master of theology. And uh, so, you know, I had the license to become a pastor in the Lutheran state church here in Denmark, Scandinavia, where I'm located. But um, um, a few years after my, uh, I got my degree, my master degree, I decided to convert to Catholicism. So I, uh, I said goodbye to a career as a pastor, and I never regretted that. So that's why I started journalism. But already before I decided to convert, I, I had started journalism um, in one of the, um, the biggest national newspapers here in Denmark. And uh, right away, I became a columnist. Uh, so I've been a you know a syndicated columnist for almost 20 years. And recently, or the last five, 10 years, I have also been publishing in English. So, and I'm also a speaker. I give talks uh, and I have started my own YouTube channel. And what I mainly examine is political and social events um, with, the, with a focus on the religious and spiritual aspects um, and also moral implications. So um, I used to be a radio host here in Denmark for, for quite a number of years uh, on national um, public service radio, um, where I uh, was hosting some programs, religious news programs, where I sort of set a new standard for religious analysis in the newsroom, because I try to interpret uh, society through, uh, through the, the lens of spirituality, Christian spirituality. So, um, yeah, and then, of course, besides being a, a radio host, I have been doing freak, frequent contributions to the public debate. Often I'm invited to debate shows and to programs where we talk about, you know, social things, political things, cultural things, and, of course, ritual things, religious things. So, yeah, so I'm, bo I'm both a host and a guest in many shows. So, um, And then, of course, I have traveled a lot. 
I and I've been, you know, I've been uh, reporting from Russia uh, since 2014, and I have spent much time in Rome. I also work work for the Vatican Media. Uh, since I'm a Catholic, wow. of course, um, it's um, it's you know I I belong to an international community being a Catholic. So I spend much time in Rome, and actually I am on my way to Rome again next uh, next weekend. I'm. I'm going to Rome for some time, for some weeks, to uh, to finish a book I'm writing, and I'm going to live just outside the Vatican, uh, outside the walls of the Vatican. So I'm I'm very excited to go and and see my friends in Rome, and to be able to go for mass in Rome and and be in Rome. And, you know, it's it is really the the center of Christianity. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, that's it. You have quite an impressive resume, and you have a lovely accent. Uh, you know, you. you uh, it's it much better than most of us do, I must say. So, uh, but so, so, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, I, I criticize these things quite a bit. So, tell what is what is it like? Um, so, what is your you know? I I critique um, American culture or Mick culture, or whatever is I call us America 2.0. I think we're collapsing all around us. What are things like in your homeland as far as? Um, have things changed there for the worse? Do you still have uh, free discourse? Do you any, have any kind of concept of freedom of the press or is everything controlled there like it is here? And freedom of religion, obviously you're a Catholic there. So does uh, the state try to interfere with religion as they do here now? Well, I think that was a lot of, of topics that you, you have put on the table. But <laughs> I would say, I think after COVID, I, I noticed that something has changed. And I talked to another uh, YouTube uh, uh, talk uh, host the other day because he invited me here in Denmark. And I've also spoken to other people about it. And um, something has changed. There is a kind of apathy. There is like, there is not the same energy anymore. I don't know if it's because people are depressed or they're just really... Uh, so full of fear that they, they don't feel the same joy or freedom or whatever you call it, but you feel that it's like there is a kind of big cloud that is hoovering over the whole culture, over the whole country. And I don't think it's only Denmark. I think it's, it, it, it is the entire West. I guess it's also in America. It's some, like something has changed. And um, I think we're in a deep depression. And I think that and of course, this is my theme. I think we are in a spiritual battle, a gigantic spiritual battle that we're not prepared for. And I think yeah. that's why uh, people don't know really where to to look for hope anymore. And I think that's why it's the whole atmosphere is is so depressed and so downcast. And then we are completely occupied with negative things. We're only talking about all the disasters. So I think there is this kind of, of apocalyptic um, atmosphere everywhere. We know that our culture is crumbling. We know that things are falling apart. If you go uh, on Twitter, on, on social media, I mean, you can find thousands and thousands and thousands of, of posts about how wrong things are and and everybody is putting words to all the evils of our time but it's very very few voices that can tell you what is right and to yeah. to or, or to give people some kind of direction 
even the church is in a complete turmoil and there is all these infighting and and unhappy catholics and and they're only talking about what's wrong in the church so i think we have to pull ourselves out of this negativity because we're actually it is a kind of of downgoing spiral and and we're feeding the darkness in a way because we're only talking about what's wrong and and how disastrous everything has become um and i think we are sort of feeding fear the feeling of fear i think that that people are, are very frightened and there is no faith there's only fear you know the gospel tells yes. you there are two ways of living either fear or faith and we are totally in the hands of fear um and we have to get out of that to to win this spiritual battle because right now we are not winning it we are not prepared uh because of our liberalism and our atheism and our materialism uh, and our uh, ind individualism as well everybody is just you know looking to themselves yeah. and and taking care of themselves um and uh, i think i would like to talk a little bit more about um what kind of direction we should take instead of just sitting for an hour talking to you about how bad things are. Sure. Well, you, well, you, you, well we can do that, but you, you are, you're probably going to get more questions, but there's, can you see the question on screen for you there? Somebody already has a question for you, Doug Waters. Do you see that? Uh, I just have to, uh, yeah, I know I pulled out another site because I, I was reading the mail. Okay. Yeah. What, what just, uh, yeah, I haven't actually, I haven't read the new book. Um, because um, I think it has only come out in Italian as far as I know, um, but I'm not sure. Um, have you read it? No, I have not. But I certainly I found I, everything about him, the way he was kind of forced out uh, to be very suspicious. What are your, what are your thoughts of that? Because that, that was very strange for him to be resigning and then to get the Pope that we have now where... Uh, you know, there, there are people that, that doubt if he's Catholic, you know, I mean, he's, he certainly doesn't, uh, he seemed to believe yeah. no, a lot of the, a lot um, of the traditional things. The day that Pope Benedict resigned, it was February the 13th in 2013. I was on my way to Rome that day from Copenhagen. And while I was uh, in the plane, on the plane, flying down to Rome, um, there was a Wi-Fi connection. So suddenly I got a push message saying that the, the Pope had resigned and I thought it was a joke and I thought okay nobody I mean who's telling such jokes I mean the Pope of course would never resign but then more and more messages came so I realized that that this was happening and um then I I landed in Rome and I called the Danish news and said I'm here if you need me and they said oh yeah please could you be on the news show at six o'clock and I said of course so they told me just to go to St. Peter's Square and um and then, of course, uh, um, there will be a cameraman. And I, while I was on my way to St. Peter's, there was a, a huge storm and it was thunder. And when I arrived with a taxi at St. Peter's Square and I was getting out of the taxi, the lightning stroke at St. Peter's Dome. I mean, many people have seen uh, this image uh, or this photo yes, because yes. Uh, a photograph actually uh, took a picture right when the, 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 when the lightning stroke. And I can tell you, it was a blast like I have never, ever experienced before. All the lights went out. So uh, I couldn't, you know, uh, be on the news uh, for um, 
at six o'clock because there was no electricity. So I had to wait until the nine o'clock news. And I was just really, I really thought to myself, wow, what is happening here? It was really dramatic. It was really, uh, it was really something extraordinary. So I thought to myself, whoa, maybe God is giving us a sign that something is going on in the Vatican that, that he does not agree with. So I don't know, but I just had this experience and, uh, and that was really uh, something very, very unusual, extraordinary. And I don't know, um, a lot of things are going on in the Vatican and in Rome. You know, I have a lot of friends in Rome and everybody says that it's not the same as it used to be. Uh, and there is a lot of, of turmoil. And um, and now I'm going to Rome soon again. Also, to, to I haven't been there for some years because of COVID. Mm. Um, so I'm going to um, explore a little bit uh, what's going on. Um, but I think that the church is very divided and that's not good because people are upset about, you know, all the double messages that are coming out of the Vatican and that there is a clear progressive agenda. Uh, at a certain point. So that's not good. And it's not good that Catholics do not have the feeling that the church is the rock and they can completely trust the church uh, that people start to have this kind of mistrust uh, to the uh, leaders of the church. That's not good at all. So I don't know. I can't answer you whether Pope Benedict was the real pope all the time we don't know we don't know the truth about it and uh, maybe it's only rumors maybe it's not nobody knows only god knows well it, you're, and, and as far as how it is in in your country as opposed to here uh church attendance of all kind of catholics have obviously always been in a minority here in in largely protestant america but uh church attendance of all kind is at a record low in america so you're talking it is a spiritual battle and i th think people that, that are awake like we are to the corruption and the tyranny, we understand what we're up against and that this, you know, this is a spiritual battle. You need your faith. But what's it like in in in, in your country, in Denmark? Is it is it as secular as it is here or is there more religious faith there? How, how is the Catholic religion viewed there as opposed to here? It's just kind of uh, popular culture pretty much makes fun of it. Denmark uh, and Scandinavia, Norway and Sweden, and Denmark is Scandinavia, of course. Uh, we are probably one of the most atheistic um, areas in the world. Um, and Catholics here are, of course, a minority. In Denmark, we are around 5 million people and we have perhaps like 40,000 Catholics. So it's, it's just a very, very small church. Wow. And that's why as a Catholic, you, you, you need to go abroad sometimes. You need to go to Rome to feel that you're part of uh, a church that is, you know, an international community and it's the biggest uh, Christian domination, denomination um, in the world. But we have this hyper-secularism and I think it's even worse than it is in the United States. You still have, I, I think you, you still have evangelicals and also yes. Catholics that are, are really still uh, firm believers. But here it's, you hardly have any people who are who are practicing. But I would say that because people are so anxious and they're so um, in a kind of despair, a lot of people are looking for something. So if you start to talk about God, 
some people would be, you know, really don't care about it, or they would be even aggressive because of this militant atheism. But most people would listen and take you seriously. It doesn't mean that they will they will convert and they will will start to have faith, but they will take you seriously. And we actually in our media have have debates and and talks and programs about religion and and actually they are quite popular so it's it is a strange situation that that we are very far away from from being a christian culture um and yet uh, people feel somehow historically connected to it and they're not completely closed to listen to for instance programs on spirituality and religion and everybody has an, an has an opinion about religion whether it's good or not sure. uh, so it, it's quite strange but i wouldn't say that denmark is a christian country and our government is right now becoming very totalitarian and they want to sort of push out the last or the remains of christian heritage and and want to control everything because we have a welfare state and the welfare state has to a certain extent replaced god and and this is what is happening or has happened in in all scandinavian countries is that because of materialism and the welfare state we have this idea that if you i mean that the state can guarantee you a painless life and they have a treatment for everything and if you have enough material goods and you have a house and you have an education you have a job you will be happy and we see that people here are not that happy half a million danes are medicated because they are depressed or anxious or distressed we have a huge wave of young people who are who are dysfunctional uh, they they are yeah. they have some kind of mental disorder and i do believe it is a spiritual crisis as well because nobody yes. can tell them what is the meaning of life they don't know why they live and nobody is able to tell them why they exist and i guess uh, on top of all the other things that put them under pressure like social media social media and 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 this idea that you have to be perfect and you have to have you know high grades and you need to have a career and all these things and if you don't have any faith you don't have any kind of religious framework you are very vulnerable um and this is what's happening here well how are you i assume you you appear in the mainstream media uh, in Denmark, how how are you treated? How is someone with your viewpoint? If it's even more secular than it is in America, and boy, that's because we're we we are secularism rules the day here. I mean, some might even go beyond secularism. If you watch some of the uh, occultic symbols and all the entertainers are flashing all the time, it's uh, it's hard to even call it secularism at this point. But how how are you treated over there? Are you respected, or do they do they attack you for your positions? It depends on what I say, of course. <laughs> Today, actually, I I I was at a at a at a radio debate at a very popular debate show today, and uh, it went very well. I mean, there was no tensions, no confrontations. So I'm also becoming more aware of how to, you know, put my points, to not to to go into a sort of confrontation because it doesn't really help a lot of people if you're just there, you know, like a boxing fight you need to be more gentle you need to present your viewpoints in a way so that you have some sort of compassion with people because many people have no faith because they were never they were never taught they had I mean, that you know i have a lot of friends 
they have never ever talk, been talking to their own parents about whether God exists or not. It was just a non-topic. So many people here do not have faith because they're really against God. It's simply because they were never taught. So, so you need somehow to try to help them to come to an understanding of what it is instead of just, you know, uh, being extremely aggressive and just tell people off. I mean, I don't think it really helps a lot. I did that a, a lot when I, when I was younger. Uh, I was very feisty. I was, you know, really up to the confrontation. But I realized with the, over the years that it doesn't really help a lot of people to understand what it's all about. So, well, so, so if you have... Yeah, so if you... I think today the right approach, if you are a, a warrior, a cultural warrior... You should try to have more comp compassion with people because many people are lost. Right. And I think as a Christian, uh, first of all, St. Paul, he encourages us always to be kind. But you have to tell the truth. But you have to tell the truth with love. And if you do that, I think you can open people people's hearts. But if you tell them that they're no good and, and you know, they're just completely lost, they're not going to listen to you. So it is a kind of art <laughs> to be able to, to be a fish in those waters and how to swim. But I am being invited. And, um, and of course, somebody would say that I'm nuts uh, if I start to talk about God. But I also feel more and more <laughs> that, that people are also excited to hear somebody talk about God because so few, so few people sure. know God. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, so I think, yes, both, of course, there are uh, some kind of aggression and there is people who shut their ears and, and would have nothing to do with you and, and ridicule you and, and try to, you know, mock you. But there will also be a lot of people who, who would listen to you because they are in search of something. Yeah, well, over in the Rockfin chat, and I don't know what's going on in Rockfin, guys. Apparently, a couple people are getting booted out of there, but they're coming over to YouTube, so we'll get you one way or the other. But um, well, somebody's pointed out over there, and I, I, I've seen that many times when they rate the quality of life, the happiest places to live. Denmark is always right at the top of the list, and in America, you know, we're, we know where we are. Yeah, but it depends on how you ask because those surveys. Okay. You know, they, people are being asked whether they are happy in general. It means, do you think that the welfare state is working? I mean, um, do you get your salary? Um, you know, do you feel secure when you walk in the street because you can call the police? Or is there a high rate of crimes and things like that? And, and everything here is, is really under control. Everything is tidy. Everything is neat. Everything works. But if you ask a Dane, were you happy yourself yesterday? Everybody would say no. So it depends on how you ask. No, oh, that's like, so yeah, like any polls. Yeah, so it, it so basically they're very happy with, with being in Denmark because we have a lot of, you know, a high level of safety and, and, and you know, society functions. But on a personal level, most people are not happy. Do you see you have another question on screen there? Can you see that? Uh, yeah, uh, has even interacted with Liu Sigami. I don't know who he is. Tell me. I, I don't know either, Vince. Uh, maybe you can like <laughs> me in the chat room. Maybe I don't recognize the name either. Uh, but, but maybe uh, we can get some more information about him. 
from this. Uh, from yeah, this yeah. Vince, Vince, if you if you can uh, give us uh, more information, you can do that. Uh, John Lawler says at one times my my wife went to Latin Mass. Uh, here in America, they they still have a few places where they have the Latin Mass and Pat Buchanan. Fame. I don't know if you've heard of Pat Buchanan or not. Oh yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he. Uh, we had a lat a church in DC that that can I don't know if they still do but they were as of 15 years ago so still doing the Latin Mass and he went there all the time and I'm sure you've heard about Bell Gibson, the actor where he's uh, he's got a church that he started out in California that only they refuse to recognize Vatican II, and everything's in Latin so that might be a place for you to, if you come visit us to go attend Mass in Latin Mass Bell Gibson's church. I go for Mass Latin Mass every Sunday so. Uh... We actually have uh, Latin Mass celebrated here every Sunday Ooh, at a okay. specific church. Yeah. So I normally go there. Uh, it's not that I'm against Vatican II, but I have come to love uh, the Latin Mass because I sure. find it more holy. I find it more yes. holy and I feel that I'm, I'm closer to God uh, in that uh, Mass because there is a holiness and there is a kind of seriousness, uh, which I really like. And I like that that you are really on the receiving part. You really feel that the sacrifice is being done totally for you. And you just have to receive. And I love the Gregorian chant. And I like that it is in Latin because it's really a very powerful language, spiritually speaking. So, uh, yeah, I'm, be I'm very fond of it. I, I, I really love it. I really cherish it. Oh, cool. Oh, there's somebody that identified as Leonard Cohen. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about for my Substack. Uh, if you don't subscribe to him, Substack, please check out donaldjeffries.substack.com. This is the guy, I think he was posting under another name, but he was uh, quoting lyrics from Leonard Cohen's uh, great song, Everybody Knows. So good to see you here, right, Tonio? So let, let's talk about um, other issues. that You, you have uh, covered Russia quite a bit. And in America, I don't know how it is in, in Denmark, but here uh, Putin especially is really demonized. And a, a lot of us that uh, say the things we say and write the things we write are accused of being uh, disinformation, you know, Russian disinformation. I have no connection. I was on RT television. They were the only TV station that had me on for a while. Now they've been banned here. So, you know, I don't even know if they exist anymore. Not, not in America, they don't. So what is your uh, experience? How did you get to cover Russia? And what, what are, how do you view Putin? How do you view what's happening in the Ukraine and everything? What's, what's your uh, take on that? Well, I started to get interested in Russia already in 2010. I don't know if you remember or your your listeners remember the, the punk band called Pussy Riots. Yes, it was sure. a Russian punk band with three girls and they went into the biggest cathedral or basilica in, in, in Moscow, uh, Christ the Savior, um, and they blasphemed uh, in front of the icons. Yeah. And they they actually were singing a song. I think that, of course, they were against Putin and his regime. But the thing was that they went into a church. So they actually got sentenced and they were put into jail. So at that time, the whole West reacted and said, wow, it's because Putin is such a, you know, a tyrant and, and yeah. he cannot take that anybody criticize him, criticizing him. But that was not the case. They did not get sentenced because they criticized Putin, but because they went into a church 
and the desecrated yeah. they blasphemed in a church and that was not acceptable to russians so at that time i started to get really interested i remember that i wrote a column about it because I thought it was really great to see somebody would stand up for the church and stand up for Christian values. So I thought, wow, this was, this was really powerful that somebody would do that. And then I started, you know, to, uh, to look into some, some prophecies uh, about Russia and of course, Fatima, uh, the Fatima revelation yes. uh, mm -hmm. our, uh, or the Fatima apparition, apparition and other prophecies because there are different prophecies about how, Russia would be um, um, the nation that would glorify God most in our time. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. And, you know, at that time, already in 2010, you know, Western governments and, and Western uh, elite, uh, in, intellectual elite, started to criticize Putin. So it started already at that time. And then after that came the laws against homosexuals. Not that you're not allowed to be a homosexual uh, in Russia, but you're not allowed to go into the street and try to, you know, make it normal or in front right. of children so that they think this would be completely normal. You have to, you know, be private with your uh, sexual preferences. So, um, and then, of course, uh, again, the West was outraged against that. And then it all started. I remember, you know, when there were the Olympic Games in Sochi, I think it was in 2014, uh, there was so much criticism because Russia's views on homosexuality and same-sex marriages. So it started already at that time. So then I decided to go to Russia in 2014 myself to have a look at what it was like there simply to, to form my own opinion about it and to visit churches, to talk to Christians, just to, you know, really to get under the skin of it all to see with my own eyes like a normal journalist would do. And I realized that it was my first trip to Moscow was, was incredible because there were icons everywhere. There were so many people worshiping and it was like the Christian culture was so present everywhere. And I was just amazed because coming from secular Scandinavia, where uh, all religious symbols in the public uh, square was completely suppressed and removed, and we had this idea that God should not be part of our society anymore, then coming to Moscow uh, and see that it was totally the opposite, like, like the West and Russia had swapped roles, uh, you yes. know, spiritually, culturally, uh, morally. You know, I was brought up here in Scandinavia during the Cold War and I was really afraid of Russia. And, um, you know, I heard about how Christians were persecuted and was put into camps. And, you know, it was we were very afraid here in Scandinavia because of the Baltic Sea. We're not far away from Russia that we could be invaded. And and then for me to be, you know, standing on the Red Square seeing all the icons above the gates into Kremlin because they have put up icons um, into uh, above the, the, the gates into Kremlin uh, and there are icons everywhere. Um, I was just totally, you know, flabbergasted because I would never have expected in my lifetime to, to be able to go to Moscow, you know, stand on the Red Square and see icons and, and see that the Christian culture was just sort of, you know, re-emerging. I, I would never have believed that this was possible in my lifetime.
And then I started to write about it, of course, everything that I saw. And I was, I was, you know, I was at that time, I really, I really was confronted with a very harsh and aggressive attitude from people in Denmark. You know, actually, I lost a job as a columnist for a, a newspaper. I, I was one of the most popular columnists. But when I wrote about my experiences in Russia, they told me not to write anymore. So, but, wow. you know, I said, you know, I didn't say anything that was not true. It was facts that I put out. It was not even an opinion. It was just like what I, what I had seen, but that was already too much. And, you know, after that, it just has become worse and worse and worse and worse. So, um, you know, I decided for, for, for the Ukraine conflict, uh, it's very politicized and there is a lot of politics. In it. I think, but so I, I don't comment on that because it's simply too, too complicated. But I do believe that the whole conflict has a spiritual aspect. And this is what I would like to talk about, because I think the reason why that the United States and EU has been against Russia for such a long time, since at least 2010, has to do with an anti-Christian agenda. And I do believe that the real reason why the, 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 the West is hating Russia so much is because that they are sticking to the Christian roots. I think yeah. it, it is a battle for the Christian world order. And, and Russia is somehow <laughs> representing the old traditional Christian world order. And, and the, the Western countries, which is now in a kind of a, or is, has fallen into apostasy, they don't, I mean, it's very, it's very difficult for them to deal with Russia because of this. And they want that destroyed like they have destroyed Christianity in the West already. So this is a kind of second coming of Marxism, because the first, um, the first Marxist revolution actually took place in Russia. And uh, if you go to some of the Russian authors like Solzhenitsyn, uh, he says that if he should explain what had happened to Russia or the disasters that, that fell upon Russia with the revolution, it all came down to one sentence. It happened because men had forgotten God. And yes. he said that. And he said that when, as a child, when he was listening to elderly people talking about how this had happened to Russia, why this disaster had fallen upon Russia, they said it was because they had forgotten God. And he said, after I a lot of you know, history and I read a lot of books and I've been spending 50 years you know, digging into this problem, I have to agree with them. This is happening because men have forgotten God. And you can yep. say the same thing about what has happened to America and to EU uh, and, 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 and to Europe. Now, all the problems we have comes down to the fact, like Solzhenitsyn said, because we have forgotten God. So this is a spiritual crisis. And after communism, like... The, the first revolution uh, in Russia. Now we have the second revolution with Bokism and, and, and new mm. Marxism. Um, they have come back to God after that because they yeah. realized that the only hope for them to, to sort of reestablish their culture was to go back to Christianity. And that's why the Russians are very, 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 very uh, careful now to revive their Christian uh, Orthodox faith. And, and of course, uh, since uh, the Western political elite is enraged against uh, the hate Christianity. 
Of course, they cannot accept yes. Russia. It's yes. now built on Orthodox traditional Christianity. So I guess this is the real reason for the aggression against Russia. I cannot prove it, but I think it is the real uh, problem. It's not only, it's not about politics. It's, that's just the presenting problem. But the real problem is spiritual. Well, absolutely. And thank you, Swampy McGee. Uh, Leo Zagami is a writer, researcher, and creator of a popular blog concerning his direct involvement in the New World Order. He is the author of numerous books. Uh, and that's interesting that you talk about, uh, it, it looks like uh, Putin first really started becoming demonized after he had the audacity to go after this uh, a pussy riot group. Yeah, for doing what they did in a church, and I, I find it ironic because you know we we how the right here used to rage against godless Russia. I mean that's what we talked about, but you talked about Fatima, and not enough people talk about Fatima. Uh, wasn't one of the secrets, or what the Blessed Mother said supposedly that um, Christianity or the church would be returned to Russia? Isn't that didn't she touch on that? Wasn't that part no, of that? She, she actually said that that. Um... Russia needs to be consecrated to her immaculate heart, and then there will be peace yeah. in the world. And actually, I have sources in Rome uh, who has confirmed that Putin has been visiting Pope Francis several times. But one of the times he wanted to talk about Fatima, and he even wanted to meet with a very famous exorcist called Father Armut, Gabriel Armut, which was the chief exorcist of the Vatican at that time. And he was an expert um, in Fatima. And a source said that Pope Francis, you know, should, I mean, that's what he said. I don't know whether it's true or not, but he told Putin, we're not going to talk about Fatima. So Putin was not allowed to get more information about Fatima. But I think it's really interesting that Putin wanted to know about Fatima because- Yeah, that is interesting. Because I guess that he is aware of the spiritual battle. You know, in, in some of his speeches, he actually said that the West was satanic. And I think that's quite <laughs> extraordinary for a political leader to say that yeah. the West, that he said, Russia has chosen God, the West has chosen Satan. And normally you would not hear any political leader say things like that. So I think Putin no. somehow, at least this indicates that he's aware of the spiritual aspect of all this. And since he went to Rome to learn more about Fatima and whether Russia should be consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary to sort of establish um, a peace for the whole world, this is what she says. And if it doesn't, and she also said, if it doesn't happen, communism will spread to the rest of the world. And now in America, you have communism in a new disguise. Yes. Yeah, this absolutely. Is because, because vocism is basically um, communism in a new disguise or a new cloak. It is. What, well, it's maybe, but it's 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 cultural madness. What 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 is there anything like that in Denmark? Is this a worldwide thing with? Uh, it just disturbs me so much uh, what they're doing to children where you have, and it's mostly mothers who are uh, taking their three and four and five-year-olds and uh, deciding they're the wrong sex and they're having gender yeah. reassignment surgery. They're having little girls having hysterectomies, boys having their penises removed. Uh, it's just, it's frightening. And the medical profession is going along with it. And, this, and if you, if you criticize it, you get in trouble here in the culture. It is, 
it, does Denmark support that? Is that kind of thing going on with young Denmark uh, kids over there? Yeah, yeah, there has been suggested that um, it, you should lower the the age for legally changing your sex until the moment of birth, so a child can <laughs> can actually decide. You cannot uh, decide for surgery, but you can you can you can say, okay, I want to be uh, seen as a woman or a girl if you are a boy. Uh, so it would be on all your official papers that you are a boy, even though that you are not. So, but um, the law the law has not been passed yet, but it has been suggested. And, and Denmark is very progressive. So I guess here we are the front runners of transgenderism. Wow. And we have a lot of, of small children that, that are being told, are being supported by the parents and doctors that they, yes. they probably should change their sex. Yeah. It's, so it's, 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 it's a, it is a, you know, it is actually a, a new ideology that is, that is destroying children and their yeah. identity and, and who they are. It's it's very it's very very um, no it's it's really horrible. Well, it certainly is. And now to, to play a bit of the devil's advocate on Putin, we hear so many things. Uh, first of all, we did, I guess he was in the KGB before. Uh, when did this transformation occur in him? Because I mean, again, I, we're just it, in America. I just hear from whatever source you hear from some sources in the alternative media that have him saying all kinds of great stuff that you know he's. He's uh, putting out arrest warrants for any Rothschilds that come into the country. And uh, the U.S. government killed Kennedy, which we all know they did, and uh, banning GMO products. I've heard that he's done all that and, and he's, that he's building, uh, he's building back the Catholic churches. It sounds like what you're saying. He probably is doing that. But we also hear from the other side, the demonized. We just heard the other day that uh, one of his opponents or something fell out of a window. And you hear that he's, that he has, that he's, he's killing people. What what are we to believe? Is there any truth in that? I mean, certainly he has the right enemies, and uh, I. But but is there is there any validity to the criticism of him? Well, there's one thing that is for certain when it comes to Russia and the Ukraine conflict and whatever you hear, nobody knows what is the truth because it's so manipulated and it's so full of lies on both sides. So you don't really know what is the truth. It's really hard. It's really hard to tell. So, but you have to try to reason a little bit here. And I think from what I have learned in Russia and the people I've been speaking to, it seems to me that he has gone through uh, quite a development from when he became the president until now. And he came into contact with a very um, well-known bishop in Russia called Bishop Tikhon. Um, he used to be a film director um, at the Soviet uh, uh, time, and he converted already before um, that the Soviet Union uh, collapsed. And he went to a monastery, and uh, today he has written a book that has sold millions of copies about his conversion when he was still in the communist system. Now he is a very renowned bishop. And I know because I used to... to, to um, to visit that monastery where they met. And uh, I know from sources there that, that when he met Bishop Tikhon, something happened to Putin because he told him basically he could not be the president without God. He wouldn't make it without God. And, and they had a very close relationship. So I think that Putin is actually, he's a very pragmatical um, 
a politician and he knows how to to handle things i mean russia is a huge 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 nation they have nine different time zones so you need to be a little bit brutal and and he has the, the west that is is trying to to you know to attack russia and all this aggression from the west so he of course he has to be a brutal ruler um in many ways but i think that he knows I think he has gone through some kind of spiritual development and he understands that there is no Russia without Christianity. And that's why he's supporting him. I mean, he has put so many, so much money into church buildings and to reopen monasteries and things like that. And these are things that will stay after he's gone. And that's why I, I, I think that he has done a lot to help the Christian church, like a, a Roman emperor like Constantine helped the church after it had been persecuted in Rome. And I think Putin has a little bit the same role when it comes to the Christian church in Russia, that that after it had been so uh, destroyed uh, and suppressed by the uh, by the communists during the Soviet era, he has, you know, put a lot of money into rebuilding it. And uh, I think no matter what, this is going to stay after he's gone. And I think that's a good thing. Maybe he has done bad things as a, cat, as a, as a politician. But right. that is the power game when you are into this kind of, of power level that he has. You cannot be, you know, the nice guy all the time. And no right. political leader is that. So I don't know, but I just see that he has done a lot of positive things to rebuild Christianity in Russia. And I think everybody can, can agree that this is a good thing. Yeah. Because this is actually facts. This is not something I, I just have an opinion about. This is, you know, facts that he has he has given so much money to uh, the Christian church. And then, of course, I know a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, but that's just because that it gives him more power. I don't think so. I think Putin under, has understood that in his people, there is such a big um, love for the Christian church and, and people are so, the Russian people are so closely connected to their Orthodox roots. So he's just trying to follow his people. I don't think it's yes. him that demanding people to be Christian Orthodox. <clears throat> he simply understand that this is the will of the people. So he has to go in that direction himself. Well, they, they were without God for so long that I guess, and I, I you know, I, I want to thank before I, I lose track of it, Christy Ripperger, thank you for the tip over in Rockland. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they were denied God for so long. So certainly this must be a refreshing yeah, change exactly. to them. And maybe, maybe that'll happen here. <laughs> maybe, maybe there'll eventually be a, a, a revolution and we'll turn back to God and rebuild the churches. Cause uh, you're, yeah. we're, we're, you know, I know, yeah. I know it's late there. So I want to, so what, so what obviously, <clears throat> Here in America, and I, I assume it's happening in Denmark as well, they're portraying this absurd uh, Ukraine situation as one of uh, Putin is the Hitler and he's the ultimate villain and the, the poor Ukrainians. And I, I read today where the Biden administration has given now $196 billion to Ukraine. And this character Zelensky over there who's banned all opposing political parties, banned newspapers. Uh, so this is, what what is the view there in Denmark, do they view it the same way that this is poor little? Did they have the stand with Ukraine flags everywhere in the media like they do here? Yeah, there are no nuances. It's it's just you know like we're being told by the reporters from Ukraine 
they're not telling us what is happening. They tell us what to think. So I think that journal journalists in the West has become political activists. They're not anymore just, you know, trying to tell you what's going on and then you you think for yourself what's going on. They simply are very, very biased and they they just present you with one truth. And you have to you have to comply and say, okay, yeah, this is the way it is. And if you have a different opinion, you are just cancelled. And I think that's very dangerous because this is what leads to war. And I think yeah. right now, if we had responsible leaders in the West, they would say to Ukraine, we're not going to supply you with any more weapons. You need to negotiate now. We cannot continue this war. It's too dangerous. We cannot risk that the aggression is escalating and this would probably could turn into a nuclear uh, war. We cannot allow that. So now it's time for negotiating. And everybody that would be responsible would, would, would say to, to Russians, we, now we've got to stop it. We've got to find a solution because we don't want this war to, to spin out of control. But I think this is what they actually want because you know, I, 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 you know, I hear voices here you know, almost inviting a nuclear conflict. Yes. And yes. say, okay, yeah, just bring it on, bring it on, you know. And yeah, I think they're mad. Right. They're, they're mad. I think like they are completely diabolical. This kind of hatred is, yeah. is so diabolical. And and again, this is a spiritual battle because they are inviting death. And, and it's completely irresponsible. It's completely irresponsible. And, and I think that that nobody during the Cold War would ever have had that rhetoric because we were very afraid, at least in Scandinavia, that there would be this nuclear weapon confrontation. So everybody was really careful to put the words in a very gentle way and a very diplomatic way so you could not, you know, sort of provoke anybody. But now it seems that we really want to provoke it so we can have a war. And I think that's just madness. And it's very dangerous. Absolutely. Um, have you had any? Have you had any contact with Putin or his people? What do you mean? Contact? I mean, have you been able to communicate with him or anybody else around him? I'm wondering since you covered him so much. No, I. Uh, of course, I, I have been together with people in 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 Russia, priests and things like that, who has been you know close to him. I also went to a church opening where Putin came and and. And and he gave a talk, um, so I saw him, you know, in real right. life. But uh, I haven't been I haven't been interviewing him or anything. So I just picked up, you know, from other people what what they have, you know, what they have experienced with him. So you know, I, I, Putin, of course, he is he has he is a person like I said. I believe have different ways of acting. Because one way, he acts one way with the church, uh, he's giving money to the church, he's supporting the church. But when he is a political leader, it's a different story. I mean, think about Emperor Constantine. He was supporting uh, the Christian church. Uh, it was because that he arranged, you know, the, the, uh, the council in, in Nicaea that, that we had the creed. But he was a brutal ruler. I think he even had his own son killed. And he did not get baptized before he was on his deathbed. And I think it was because he knew that when you have that kind of power, you need to be brutal. You cannot be, you know, like a bishop. Or uh, uh, it's very hard for them to be 
living according to Christian ethics when you had that kind of power. And I guess the same goes for Putin. I mean, he wants to support the church, but but to rule a country like that in a situation like that, he might have to act as somebody who is who has a lot of power and needs to use it. I don't know. I'm not trying to make any, you know, uh, defense of his actions because I, I have decided I do not want to go into right. political um, comments on what's going on in Ukraine because it's simply too complicated and too dangerous. But I, so I, I always look uh, to the spiritual aspect of this conflict. And I think this is something we need to address is the spiritual aspect because if we don't go back to some kind of spiritual weapons or a spiritual understanding of this, it could be the end of the world. Uh, Because because if they start a nuclear war, uh, this could be the total apocalypse. So we got to take that spiritual element into consideration that this these are diabolical forces that wants to provoke Russia to go into a, a nuclear war and Russia will not be provoked anymore. So they are retaliating themselves. So they are also in a kind of aggressive mode. So it's on both sides, you know. I'm not saying that the Russians are saints and we are the sinners because they have all because I am actually I actually do think that this aggression in Ukraine is very tragic and it's wrong any sort of aggression is wrong so so it's on both sides but we should not you know we should take care that it's not escalating now yeah there's no diplomacy here and it's ironic because again the in this country the left was in love with the soviet union all we heard was detente and uh you can't back then it was right crazy right wingers you know dr strangelove and all that those are the ones that wanted to go after the commies uh, but it's completely flipped on its ear now. I, I still can't. I came from the left as a civil libertarian. I don't understand the, the demonization of right. They absolutely hate Putin. They hate all things Russian. For them to call, I mean, this is worse than what the right did back in the 1950s or whatever when they uh, they called everybody anything that, oh, that's, you know, commie propaganda, communist propaganda. That's and now it's what's what's the difference between that and saying it's Russian disinformation? Is that's what they say? Everything we're saying here, if somebody in the mainstream media heard it, that's exactly they would say we're just we're Russian bots and this is Russian disinformation. That's exactly what they'd say. But tell me, um, among Christians, is there a kind of understanding of this spiritual aspect in this conflict, or everybody are they brainwashed with the? Uh, with the ideas that the government yeah. has of Russia. Over. Yeah, I think I think because so many people on the right still have this view of Russia and anti, mm-hmm. you know, a, a prejudice against Russia from the Cold War era and so a lot of that's why you see so many Republicans most of them support the the aid to Ukraine as well. They hate yeah. Putin as well. They they don't want diplomacy. Nobody apparently, nobody on the left does. There's you know, people like Tulsi Gabbard. Tell you why but, but I mean why are they not interested in peace? Yes, because during the Cold War, everybody was, after all, for peace. Why are we not for peace anymore? It's a good question. And there's a, you know, they're having a rally in the mind of Gerald Salente and some of my friends like Naomi Wolf, Cindy Sheehan will be there as well. They're they're still good people out there on the left, but they're marginalized. 
and they have no platform. Now that RT is gone, there's no television network that'll have them on. Although Tucker Carlson has some of them on. He has Naomi Wolf on uh, quite a bit. But uh, yeah, peace has is, is, is got a bad, you know, peace has never been popular in America. In Denmark, I'm sure it's it's different. But here in America, I think uh, people have done studies and said, you know, in the out of the entire existence of America since uh, 1789, that uh, we have been at war like, you know, like 90 some percent of the time somewhere in the world. So I mean, we've had almost no era of peace. And uh, that says a lot about a society. We're, we're basically, we call it a war party here. Both both the Republicans and Democrats, they always support. So they would do this. If, if they decide to get involved in the Russia-Ukraine thing, you can bet that the leaders of both parties will jump on board. Everyone in the media will jump behind it because they do that with every war. They never, yeah. the only, Vietnam War is the only war, we, and even that took a while for you to see opposition. But other than that, every other war has been incredibly popular in America, and still peace is not popular. There's no question about it. People don't, when they, when you can just joke about, you know, nuclear war and, you know, we're not taking the nuclear option off the table. That's what the movie Dr. Strangelove spoofed 60 plus years ago, making fun of crazed right-wing generals that would think that now you have the intelligentsia, you know, and the uh, so-called uh, reputable left, they, they believe it. They're just like Dr. Strangelove. But, you know, um, history shows that so far, no country, no nation has ever been able to win a war against Russia. Napoleon tried, Russia right. tried, and they all failed really badly. So maybe if America is set on winning this war, it could be a catastrophe for America. We don't know. Right. What well, we have and in America has, with all the wars we've been involved in, we haven't won a war since World War II. And uh, people don't understand the extent of, uh, with the wokeism of the military and everything, how if there was a war, would we be capable of, I mean, we're, we're used to beating up on third world nations, uh, occupying Afghanistan and Iraq and Yemen and Syria and the places that we're, we're still in so many countries like that. But most of those countries really have no effective defense against us. So, mm -hmm. you know, that Russia, Russia will be able to defend itself. I guarantee you so. But people don't think that way. They're just, I, I don't know. They're, they swallow the propaganda. Yeah. And that's very dangerous. I think it's very dangerous that we don't have some kind of balanced information flow where we get information from both sides and, and we, so we can understand the conflict, what's going on. It's only, you know, this biased political propaganda that is coming out. And, and, and that's the way you prepare people for war. And that's worrisome. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I don't know where it's going to end. I hope there will soon be some kind of solution so, so that we so can too. have. But I'm not sure that the West wants it. I'm not sure. No, so, I don't. Uh, certainly, our leader, our leaders don't. I don't know if the people do either. You know, that's and I, I know it's, it's, it's probably one a.m. there. So we're gonna let you get some sleep, even. And uh, no, we yeah, can talk. But, yeah, but well, I told you that I could, that it was late. But we can go on a little bit more because now I'm, I'm very fired up. Because oh, of please, because everybody loves you. I mean, you get nothing but good. To, the, well, the, guys, the guy said he. he he can't get any work done because the talk is so interesting because this is fascinating. It's a little bit different than what we normally talk about. And I want to thank Marianne Manley for recommending you. She's the most Catholic person that I know in the world. I mean, you know, it's amazing, but you are, you know, and, that, and I was raised Catholic 
uh, I'm one of the many fallen Catholics at UC. I mean, I would never consider myself anything else, but I only go to mass very occasionally. We raised our kids Catholic and, uh, you know, that's the American way of Catholicism, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. we just kind of fall out of the church, but uh, I still have respect for it. And uh, I think that uh, I, I love the idea of Latin mass because I think the sim- the symbols of Christianity, and I don't think it's an accident that when you see vampire movies, it's always the trappings of the Catholic church, the crucifix, the holy water. That's what stops evil because they know yeah. those are the most powerful symbols of Christ. And what, uh, so that's my background anyhow, but certainly uh, America's Catholicism is is not very popular in America these days, especially with the, the scandals involving the priests. And now basically so many people have the, the, uh, the preconception that if a priest is just raping altar boys all the time and they think they're all doing it. Yeah. 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 That was, you know, a catastrophe for the Catholic church. And I do believe more and more that there has been some kind of infiltration going on. Some enemies decided to to enter the church and do these morally corrupt things to weaken the church from inside. Because this is really an enormous attack on the church voice as a moral teacher and to um, have credibility and integrity. And, And the worst thing you can do is to harm children. So it's a perfect way to destroy the church from inside. And I think somebody that had very evil intentions did this because I don't believe it's just priests who suddenly, you know, because they were living in celibacy that they suddenly wanted to, to molest children. I think it is a coordinated attack on the church in many ways. And I actually wrote an article about it uh, because there are some things in the past that could prove that this is actually true. Um, But it's, of course, it's hard to prove. But it's 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 on a, such a large scale. So um, I don't know if it was not something that was done with a certain intention to destroy. Yeah, the church. well, certainly we know. I mean, Catholicism. I mean, all of Christianity is under assault now. When people, you know, we talk about the separation of church and state in America, people don't realize there's nothing in the Constitution about separation of church and state. That comes from a reference Thomas Jefferson made in a letter a private letter to it, but they take, they don't pay any attention to the constitution, but they've incorporated that into the constitution. And that doesn't mean we don't, we should not have a state religion. That was what the first amendment uh, was about. But what they've done is they've taken, when you hear somebody complain about religion in the United States, they're complaining about Christianity only, and especially Catholicism. That's why, you know, banning Christmas carols from school and stuff, but you'll see, still see a menorah, in, in schools, you'll still say there's not any kind of anti-Muslim stuff. It's always anti because it's Jesus that they really despise. I mean, I think what what do you see that as well in in in, in Denmark? Yeah, it's true that that it's always Christianity that is um, that is being targeted. It's not other religions. Uh, it's always Christianity that is is being you know, exposed to something that is, is or that has to be somehow targeted. That's true. And I think it's because, of course, it's because of the, uh, the truth that comes with Christianity. 
uh, I think truth yeah. is really as uh, truth is under attack uh, because there's so much so many lies and it's very hard for people if they're not living in the truth and close to God to discern what is the truth these days and that's why I, I, I really urge people to to have a close relationship to God and and to the Holy Spirit which is the spirit of truth because otherwise you are almost certain to be manipulated into yeah, some well, kind of lie. Well, I think that the crux of the biscuit really is when we talk about the conspiracy, you know, the, what's going on, the corruption in the world. I think it's basically uh, the narrative that is driven in America, certainly, and probably in your country and most of the world, is that um, it's basically we've made science into a god, establishment mm -hmm. science. And that's why during COVID, the cry is trust the science, which is, and we know there was, you know, the, the most, it was the most absurd science ever seen if we were supposed to trust it. But uh, the idea is randomness. It's pushed all the time, whether it's evolution or anything else where we are just, it's to diminish us as human beings. You're nothing special. You're just a speck, a random set of genes that randomly came to be. You're one, you're on one uh, planet in a, you know, billions and billions of an endless universe. You're a tiny speck uh, God. So that that's incompatible, I think, with the biblical view of God. That each of us are, are are special, and we have the spark of life in us, and 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 because if you're if there's that much going on all over the, it's it, I think what do you think? I think this endless the endless universe idea, the idea that we're just one tiny random part of it. To me, I think that's incompatible. I really do. I don't. I don't think it's, and I think it's a it's a conspiracy of randomness, and they do it everything. And so it's just no, and it goes into our world of conspiracies. You know, random. No, there's nothing, nothing planned. It wasn't a conspiracy. It's coincidence, randomness. Uh, do you agree with me on that or am I off base? Yeah, I mean, if you can make people feel in, insignificant and, and that they are just some kind of, you know, like you say, a speck of dust and nothing, um, mm -hmm. then probably people are also easier to manipulate. Because if you believe in God and, and God has created you with a certain purpose, and he loves you, you're much stronger. And you have this divine connection, which is not something the state can control. Um, then of course, uh, you are you have much more integrity and, and you, you're stronger. So if you wanna weaken people, you have to take God away from them and tell them that they're basically nothing. And then of course, they, they can only hope for what the state will provide for them or the life that the state can, can offer them. And, and this is to totalitarianism. And, and this is what yeah. we have here in Denmark in many ways, even though we have this tiny, uh, cozy country. Um, the state here, the welfare state, has actually make, made people believe that this is enough. You don't need God when you have the welfare state. And now we yes. see that, that it's not enough because people have, have really no foundation. They have no... They have no framework and, and they get very vulnerable. They get really vulnerable and, and they have nothing. And, and since we are created by God and we are created in his image, we are searching for him. And that's yeah. coming back to what I started to say, that if you start to talk about God, you know, some, some people start to remember something in their soul about where they came from. And this is yeah. the image of God in every person. 
So if you speak the truth and if you talk to about it, the, people's souls will react somehow. Maybe they're going to be angry sure. with you because they are against God. Or maybe they, they would feel relieved that somebody is speaking about it, but they will react because they, they, we all have it in us. Well, I, th I, think we, I think that we would see a turn of the tide, uh, at least culturally, if you had more leaders speaking out forcibly against transgenderism and what they're doing to the children and all that, these kinds of things, uh, and against the corruption, the fact that everything is so corrupt that think people lie and cheat and steal. And it's a way of doing business. And we don't even, we're not surprised by it anymore. We just assume that they're corrupt, but there's nobody in a position of leadership that speaks out strongly on this. And if they no, do. But the, yeah. But the whole problem is fear because everybody is afraid to stand out and to get stigmatized or canceled or ousted somehow. And the reason why Christianity actually overtook the uh, or took over the Roman Empire was because of the martyrs. They were willing to die for it. They were willing to sacrifice themselves. And we don't have that kind of, of sincerity or that kind of faith anymore in the West because we are very spoiled Christians. We're not used to that we should make sacrifices for our faith. It's just part of the system, part of the culture. So... I guess that if somebody stood up, let's say bishops or other, yeah. you know, uh, leaders and said, I'm willing to risk my reputation, my job, my life, just kill me because I'm going to say the truth, no matter if you believe, no matter if you like it or not, then we would start to prevail again. But, but as long as we don't want to make any sacrifices and we don't have the courage and the faith to go against this, Evil will prevail more and more. And this is the situation we are in is because good people are doing nothing, basically. Yeah, that's and that's the definition. All that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. Well, you have the Pope. I mean, the Pope certainly could have the pulpit. And uh, I, I don't know when the last Pope was really to speak out strongly against this stuff, but certainly there's a need for it now. But Pope Francis doesn't. I, I get the impression, you know, from a distance that he kind of he kind of agrees with some of it. I don't know what your impression is of that, but I, I don't hear him speaking out strongly against the, I mean, you know, if, if the church is going to be strong against abortion, how can they possibly feel about what they're doing to, you know, mutilating children and uh, performing these awful surgeries on them and pretending that there's something else? I mean, uh, do you hear anything coming from the Catholic hierarchy in, in regards to that? Not really. And, 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 Part of the evil is that the church has been silenced and we don't have a pope that is, is standing up and is willing, willing to sacrifice uh, what it takes to, to go against uh, the tide. This is, this is part of the picture and we're living in a very, you know, in a very, um, like I started out saying, an enormous spiritual battle. And even the church has been weakened. Um, but... I mean, this has happened before in history uh, because the first, um, what is the right word? Uh, you know, when, when Christ was crucified, it was one of his own disciples. Um, yeah, that betrayed actually, him? That, exactly, betrayed. Was, it's mm -hmm. getting late. That's why I told you. No, you're you're doing I, wonderful. I, you go as long as you can. To, everybody loves you. I haven't heard one, I haven't seen one negative comment yet. I think you're great. And, and uh, yeah, Judas betrayed Christ. 
And I think before, because I do believe that the church will resurrect again. I do believe that. I don't believe that evil will do away with the church because Christ promised us that the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church. And we have to believe in that. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to be dragged to Golgotha again. And I think this is what this is what what is happening right now. The church, which is the apostles, they are doing uh, another Judas betraying Christ. But we know from from the first crucifixion that no matter what they try to do, he will resurrect. I mean, evil has no power over Christ. But for some reason, he allows this because nothing happens in the Catholic Church that Christ do not allow. So we have to we have to have trust that he, it, it, it only happens insofar as Christ allows it, like he allowed Judas to betray him and he allowed men to kill him because he was he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants. But for some reason, he, he chose his cross. He embraced his cross. And it seems that he's doing this again. But I do believe that evil will be crushed no matter what. And that he will, um, that the church will revive again and will, will, will you know, would, would become glorious again. Uh, because this is what, you know, the, uh, the scripture promises and what he told us. So we have to have faith in that. Um, but I think what is important is that every single individual has a personal relationship with Christ and understand our part in the plan. What can I do? And, and what is my purpose according to Christ? And how can I, you know, sort of participate in his suffering? Because, I mean, there is no Christian life with, where there is no cross. We all have a cross to carry. And right now there are many crosses. And I think the way we can serve Christ is to ask him, how can we serve you in this moment of history where things look really dark? Do you, do you believe that? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no go ahead. No, as I was said, do you believe like a lot of people do, a lot of Christians now think that uh, we're in the end times? Do you believe that, do you believe that, there, that, that we're nearing the end of times? I don't know because, you know, the writers of the New Testament thought that too, that it was just around the corner. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't know, but I think it looks like it could be because right now, actually, St. Paul talks about the great apostasy. And I think this is what we're living in. It is great apostasy. So well, how I much closer can we get to the mark of the beast? I mean, we're almost there if we get chipped. Yeah. I yeah, mean, you know, di yeah. digitalized currency, you could argue that, that, you know, that that's the mark of the beast. Because if you can't buy or sell without it and you yeah. won't be able to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we could be close and we are living in a kind of apocalyptic time. But I think it's very hard for us to know the day and the hour. And Christ even said that nobody right. knows, nobody only knows the Father. So, right. so we don't know, but we also should read the signs of the times. And it doesn't look good. It looks like what is what is in scriptures is playing out in front of our eyes. Well, I'm, I'm wondering that. what I'm wondering what Sodom and Gomorrah could possibly have looked like. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I'm just looking at that. Could Sodom and Gomorrah have been possibly even approximating what we see? 
today, I, I don't know. And Mark Asher, thank you for the tip over in Rockfin. But uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But again, people love everything you're saying. So what? Uh... Yeah, but you know, people right now are very, very attentive to being offended. But think about how much we offend God every day. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible with the way we live, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, and our political leaders, uh, and even the church is offending God constantly. God is extremely patient. It is extremely patient yes. that, 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 yeah. that he's not saying, okay, now it's going to stop. I just can't take it anymore. Um, because we're completely disobedient. Yes. There was such a, a, and, and I think what is the worst thing is not only the, 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 all the offending of God, but it's also that love has, has grown cold. There is no love in the world anymore. And that's why we don't want peace. We don't want peace because we're not, we don't know what is love anymore. And I think no, this absolutely. is even the most dangerous thing is that, that, that we have grown so cold that we don't know what it means to love. And, uh, and I think this is why our, our culture and our families and the whole thing is crumbling because there is no love. And basically Christianity is about love. And, and if, we, if we lose that, I mean, this is, you know, all over the Gospels. If you don't have love, you're nothing. Even oh, though I you mentioned. have faith. Even though, yeah. I mean, St. Paul says, even though you have, you know, eloquence, you have, you can, you can, you have faith, so you can move mountains. If you have no love, you are nothing. Well, what, did, what Jesus himself said that uh, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself is the, basis of the law and it really the new testament is built on the golden rule how many people and, and the golden rule is really really hard to follow i mean that's really difficult but how many people even attempt to follow it i mean about the best you can get is if somebody's nice to you you'll be nice to them some people can't even do that but i mean how hard is it i mean i, I don't know anybody really that that is that, and I think that's, again, that's the essence of love, to be able to love your enemy. I mean, people struggle to love their neighbor, but to love your enemy, that's that's so hard to do. But I, I, I wish more, and I, I could say I wish too, but I mean, I, I try to do it in my own little way, but it's very difficult. I mean, so I, I don't, do you think we're failing God just from that example that we can't really, very, very few of us can even approach what he said was the the main part of the law? Yeah, but you know, it's interesting that that the commandment is that you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Most people today, they're very self-destructive. They don't even love themselves right. because they That's don't. That's true. Because they don't love God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, it's going to be really hard to love yourself because of all the failures, all the sins. You cannot forgive yourself, and then you start, you know, to to have this kind of self-destructive relationship. Um, and I think many people in our culture really, really do not love us at all. And, and so it's getting really hard to love your wife, your children, your neighbor, uh, yeah. your colleagues, if you uh, despise yourself. Right. And, and if you don't have God to forgive you and, and put you back on your feet whenever you have made mistakes and failures and, and, and you're just a mess, it's going to be really hard to love yourself if you have no forgiveness from God. And culture or popular popular culture doesn't, it doesn't ever show 
uh, a holy life in a positive light. It doesn't no. it, even even just a successful marriage. It doesn't celebrate that. I mean, they're always single moms or divorced couples or, or now, you know, crazed, uh, whether it's gay marriage or transgender binary couples. I mean, all it's there's nothing there's no such thing as a nuclear family being celebrated anymore. So young people looking at that, uh, you know, I don't know how often they but I, I think, you know, back in the day that most people looked at that and that was the ideal for most people. They wanted to get married and have kids. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's the case. I know lots of young people out there today that are that are not interested at all. You have the men going their own way, the MGTOW movement that's uh, that's fed up with, and they're just they don't care. You have the people dropping out of work. So there's a lot of disillusionment out there. And you're right. It's it's probably for lack of love because maybe they look around and they see there's not much to love about the the present uh, the way the world is being run. No, but most romantic relationships today they are about you know, you know, that you want to have your own needs satisfied, not by self-sacrifice right. for the good of the other. And that's why so many relationships are breaking down. It's because I, I'm just looking to my own needs. I'm not really thinking about what can I do for others. And uh, I know that from myself. I mean, that was basically the idea about relationships that I grew up with. Of course, it was about, you know, me putting myself at the center and yes. if you do that, it's probably going to last some time, but then it eventually will break down because there's nothing to build on. So right. that that's that. So that that's just because, and that's why, of course, because we have bought into the Hollywood romantic story, yes. which is which is basically a lie, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and that's why you know I actually know a priest who once said that he called it the Hollywood heresy, and I think that is a good expression. That, that this idea that you just fall in love, you have sex, everything is great and, and, and everything is going to work out. But it's not, you know, because it takes more than that. Sure. So, and uh, I, I think that's where God could you have because, I mean, I don't know if it's possible. I guess, I guess maybe I know good people that uh, are seem good. They're nice people that uh, are not, not really religious. And I know lots of born again Christians, especially who don't walk the walk. They talk the talk, but their lives are. Not wholly, that's for sure. So I don't. Do you think it's possible to to not be religious? Not maybe not necessarily be an atheist, but to not really believe or have accepted Christ and to still be a good person and not hurt people and to. I mean, it, what what? Because what tells a person? Do, do you have to have that Ten Commandments? Do you have to have the knowledge of God, or do you have to know there's God watching you? What, what tells you to be good? I mean, because I don't. I, to me, if you don't believe in anything. I'm not sure what the rationale is for being good. Why not just take what you want? Is there, isn't there some, don't you need God or something there to, to, to guide you? Of course it helps. But I think if, if you live a virtuous life, I mean, if you look to the virtues, uh, which you can do from a completely rational perspective, even positive psychology would say that you, you would, you would be a happier person if you live by the virtues. It's something that, that, that positive psychology has actually has rediscovered that that virtues are good for people so you need some kind of of ethical framework uh, to live your life from uh, and if people listen to their conscience they would it would tell them to be a good person because everybody basically are drawn to what is good i mean basically even our natural inclination is to be drawn or attracted to what is good 
sure. everybody is, is, is trying to make something good out of their lives. This is, you know, what we're driven by because we are made in the image of God and God is the ultimate God goodness. So we, we are trying to, to sort of be like God by being good. So we are all, you know, driven or motivated to do something good. Everybody is, even though sometimes when people do evil things, it because they believe that this would do something good for them. If they do something that maybe if they cheat or if they steal, it's it's in the end, it's because they think it's going to be better for them if they do that. So, yeah, sure. every, so everything we do is because we want to achieve something good. It, it's really in human beings that we are, we are really striving for what is good even when we do evil because evil is nothing but the absence of good because evil right. is not something that is independent from god uh, evil is is when we are away from god if we, god is absent in our lives but but evil do not exist in itself as a separate power satan is actually created by god he's an angel but he, right. uh, he, but he rebelled against God, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with God. But he is nothing in 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 himself. So we have what to you, remember what, that. What do you think about the, what seems to be the reality that Satan or a satanic force is? It certainly rules American culture, American society. I mean, I see these you know, flashing up the symbols constantly, and the uh, whether yes, they, yeah. I mean, it's it's nonstop and. Uh, so uh, is it because, I mean, do you think there are people, you know, the, the Faustian bargain you know, that goes back, is for, it's, it's done so many times, the devil and Daniel Webster, and where people sell, I, I get the idea that some of these people, some people do literally sell their soul. Is, am I just, is that a naive way to look at it? I can't explain it any other way. No, I mean, uh, it's, really a, it's really a mystery that Satan, who was, who was one of God's four, archangels he was close to god he knew god and yet he rebelled and he took a lot of angels with him uh when they left heaven and so if second if satan could do it of course a human being can do it uh it's just a fact it is a big mystery evil is a mystery in, in many ways and and we cannot really understand why somebody would sell their soul to Satan, but here comes temptation in to the play. I mean that that people get tempted by power, by lust, by greediness, um, power. So it is real, you know. It's real. And if you talk to an exorcist, because I have been interviewing some exorcists while I was in Rome. I had been to I've been to to a, to a seminar in one of the pontifical universities about all this you know this demonology as it's called, and it's real. And I I really encourage everybody to have just at least one hour of conversation with an exorcist in 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 their lives because it will change their perception of reality because it, these things are real. And um, and. They do exist, and people get involved in these things. Um, occult, you know, sure. societies. Um, but it all starts with temptation. That the devil suggests something you could try to do. 
even though you know it's wrong, you say, okay, I can try it once. It, you know, I can, mm -hmm. I can control this. And then, you know, it, it's like you just go down the slippery slope and, and suddenly you, you cannot control it anymore. And then you, you, you do things you, you don't expect yourself to do or thought you could never do. This is the way temptation works. And we all get tem tempted. So the devil is trying to tempt everybody through sin. Sinful acts. Yes. Well, we and all, and we all. I think we all. It's it's having a, a, a conscience. So many people don't seem to have conscience, and I think you know, the Catholic Church has been criticized for many things, and some I agree with some of it. But uh, one of the Protestant criticisms of, as you know, this the idea of confession. You don't you don't need an inner, you don't need a middleman between you know you talk directly to Jesus. But I think that. Um, isn't it kind of a, a display of conscience every time you go to the confession, aren't you? Because I, and I don't know that Protestants have that because you have to go through the ritual. You have to tell another individual, but you know, it's going directly to God, you know, even, even though, okay, that you could say that that makes no sense, but I think it serves a real purpose that you, and every time you go to confession, I haven't been to confession in a long time, but um, you're, you're basically unloading your conscience. You're, you're exactly. letting and but I don't. I think we need to do more of that. But it's not only that. It's because the the, the uh, confession is a sacrament, and it means that it is a certain holy tool, or you know, a, a kind of situation where God can act, because it is a sacrament that He instituted. But so it is, you know, a certain situation where God, God's grace acts in a, in, in a particular way with you and it has a certain power and, and it means that if you go for confession and you confess your sins you have a sort of concentrated very powerful mercy from God on uh, that is being bestowed on you and it takes it really takes away your sins and it gives you the opportunity to go forward uh, with the grace of God and it's a fantastic fantastic thing that God gave us in the confession and and no matter how long you go for therapy with a psychologist you can never get the same result as you can as when you go for confession because God knows you better than you know yourself it yeah. means that and that and he also gives you the understanding of the problem sometimes when you go for confession which you would never ever be able to understand by just analyzing yourself with an, some yeah. kind of therapist because you don't have access to that because you don't know the full truth about yourself but god knows so when you go for confession and you humble yourself uh, god loves you so much that he does everything he can to help you get back on your feet so it's, it's a very loving situation and and uh, i just think it's 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 fantastic yeah, no, I, I think, and I, I, again, I think it serves a purpose, and uh, you know, I defend, I defend the Catholic Church, uh, you know, quite a bit actually. But uh, you know, and again, I, I think that uh, we need God in our lives. Obviously, this is a spiritual battle, and I, I think it's. I mean, I know the people I hear from that support me almost. I don't know that there. I guess there may be some that are non-believers, but I really don't hear from them. Everybody I hear from is a believer and they like when I talk about this kind of stuff because it, it, it resonates with them. And you don't hear it. I mean, here in America, I don't know if you have that there, but we have, 
basically the only religion that's aired on the uh, Christianity that's, uh, that's allowed on our airways are these ridiculous, uh, you know, incredibly wealthy evangelists, yeah, you know, yeah. Jimmy Swagger types who are, I mean, you talk about an advertisement, like an anti-missionary thing. I mean, geez, you, you watch that and, and I, I'm just amazed that they get people to give them money, but we, you don't have any rational people that are allowed access to the airways that talk and just talk about just being good people. Cause that's the, I think that's the essence of it is to try to be good, you know, to find your, the, the, the inner goodness that we all have. And, uh, but I, I think that so many people don't have consciences today and they don't feel guilt. And that's is what wokeism is about is to celebrate, celebrate your abortions, celebrate your trip, whatever you're doing and embrace it. And uh, to me, that's just, you know, I, I can't relate to that whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. It's about not feeling any kind of guilt. But it's hard to get rid of that just by having a new ideology. So, all right. So it's getting a little bit late, but I would yeah, love to come on your show another time. No, you, well, you, you, you lasted a, more than a half hour longer than you said you wouldn't really appreciate. It. I know it's late. You need to get some sleep. And uh, yes, I would love to have you back because we didn't even touch on COVID. We can talk about all that and everything. This is a fascinating discussion. Tell the people where uh, you know, they can, do you have a website or where they can find what you're writing, what you're doing, anything you want to promote. Well, I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted um, videos for a while, but I'm coming back soon because now I'm going to Rome and I uh, I wanted to sort of rebrand my channel a little bit, but so far it's called Tranholm Talks. And there is quite a lot of videos already there, so you can, you can go and have a look. And um, yeah, that's about it. I don't have a website. I use my Facebook uh, site with my name, Ibn Tranholm. Um, I also have an international um, Facebook site called Ibn Tranholm International, but normally uh, I post on my on my um, on my Facebook page. I also have a Twitter account. I don't use it much. I'm not so I'm not so happy with Twitter, but I in the in the future I would keep you posted about my uh, my YouTube channel because I'm going to I'm going to um, to rebrand it a little bit and probably I'm going also to start a podcast, but that won't be before I return from Rome. Well, you're, you're, you're wonderful. You have a great presence. You have a lovely voice. Your accent is really charming. And uh, you, you, you know what you're talking about, obviously very intelligent and well-spoken. So loved having you on. We'll have you back again and you go get some sleep. Uh, even ran home all the way from Denmark. So thank, thanks so much for being with us. Okay. So that was great. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Thanks again to Marianne Manley, who suggested I'm going back and forth between the two chat rooms. I don't know what was happening in Rockford earlier because uh, Rhonda and I think somebody else said that they were, uh, Rhonda, how are you thrown? How, how do you get thrown out of Rockfin chat? How did it happen? But it looks like a lot of you have come over here instead of chat. Um, Rhonda says works are only for glorifying God. You know, I, I, it wasn't until... I had a boss that was a born again Christian and uh, we had many discussions. I didn't really understand the Protestant mindset, especially the fundamentalist Protestant mindset, because I, I was raised as a Catholic that uh, you try to do good. You know, it was just part of being a good person. And, uh, you, know, and I, you know, I'm familiar with all oh, you Catholics working your way into heaven and everything. But uh, 
but I understand the difference. The difference of the Protestants believe that it's it's completely just grace, just faith, and uh, I don't I don't see why it can't be both. But I, I uh, to me, I just think that uh, that works, good works, a part of having a uh, a good world as well. Not only to to get to where you want to be spiritually. And Rod, this says demons and demiology are very real, absolutely. And that's uh, you know that's why if. When I like, I, you know, my sister, one of my sisters, I have debate with her all the time where she's kind of turned away from God, unfortunately. And uh, I just look, I said, you know, there's the, the, there's a yin and yang everywhere. There's a, there's a, there has to be a contrast. Clearly, what you're seeing in today's world, when you see things like uh, transgender reassi gender reassignment surgery and mothers taking their three and four year olds to see drab drag strip shows, that's motivated by something really dark. I don't think that just happens. And again, I think that uh, this this sinister force, that this satanic force has taken hold, certainly of America, and it sounds like pretty much all over the world. And I, there's, you know, obviously there's a, there's a, a good force, whatever, you know, you look around and you see the beauty in the world, you see a rainbow, you see some of the incredible natures, natural waterfalls and, and, and mountain peaks and just, just things like that the power of the oceans. And I used to teach my kids um, when they were little, uh, you know, we had we very fortunate to live um, in today's world, especially. I have a lot of woods behind my house and you don't get that much anymore. I grew up with a lot of woods behind my house too, but now because uh, the animals have been, uh, have their, uh, their, their space limited by uh, development everywhere, uh, we, we see deer all the time. I mean, deer are always wandering in our, I never saw a deer once when I was a kid, even though I had like 250 acres worth of woods behind our, our development. But um, now they come in and it's, you know, I remember one time when my daughter was little, she, she got all excited because we had a, a baby deer that had just been born. It's still had the gunk all over it. And I don't know what happened to the mother, if the mother died or whatever, but it somehow stumbled, got into our yard and came into our screened in porch. And, you know, I knew you couldn't touch it. I said, we can't touch it because, uh, you know, the, the, the mother or parents will reject it or whatever. But so we had to try, but it, it didn't know what it was doing. It kept banging into everything because it had just been born. And uh, eventually, you know, we had the door open. Eventually it, it, it made its way out. But, we, you know, my daughter recorded it and uh, it was probably still somewhere. It was a really neat little thing. But those are the kind of things you see God in. And or you know, we used to have lots of box turtles in our yard. And I, I would, you know, I would always go over and we'd look at it and I'd say, just look at that. Look at the intricate artwork on a shell. You have different colors and stuff. Now, would random evolution need that? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think most of the artwork is like, you know, orange and yellow and green and, you know, beautiful stuff. Would that really help camouflage them? Can there be a natural explanation for that? I, I don't think so. I think it's part of the uh, supernatural beauty that's out there. And it is a contrast, obviously, to... Uh, the evil that you see in the world. Chris Buckin, you were really on a, a Jew kick today, buddy. I'm putting some of your things up there, but I, you know, you, you, again, I, I made this clear that uh, I'm not afraid to talk about Jews or whatever, you know, the Jewish influence. The Jews have wildly disproportionate power. There's no question about it. But 99.9% .9 of the Jews don't have power. They're not running. They're not part of any conspiracy or running the world. And as I point out many times that what does it even mean to be a Jew today? I mean, I, most of my relatives are Jews. I'm not Jewish, but one of my um, mother's sisters married a Jewish guy way back when. 
and he converted the Catholicism. They had 11 kids. Uh, three of their kids had like seven kids each. Anyways, I have hundreds and hundreds of cousins on that side of the family. They're all partially Jewish. None of them are, I don't think there's, none of them are practicing Jews. It's kind of like Catholics. So what does that mean? Or I don't, none of them consider themselves Jews, but, but I guess racially they would be. So it's, I think, you know, we have to be careful to be so obsessed about it. Yes. I mean, I talk about the uh, the other side of World War II, read Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776, 1963. I talk about all the uh, the Allied war crimes and the horrible things they did. But we don't know. You, you, you can't just go and say, because of that, Hitler was a hero and we fought on the wrong side. No, the war was unnecessary. Hitler, read Hitler and the rise, rise of Hitler, uh, Hitler, Wall Street and the rise of Hitler. And again, people say, oh, that's crazy. No, I mean, that, the same guy, Anthony Sutton, wrote a book called Wall Street and, and the Bolshevik Revolution. Wall Street and FDR. So we did great research. These things are not, you know, we, in America, all we can halfway judge is what's going on here. Anything, that's why Putin, I, I was playing a little devil's advocate there, because we don't know that he's, it sounds like he's doing some good stuff. He's certainly got the right enemies, but we don't necessarily know that. But I mean, I can't, you know, I, I put up, um, I put up most of your guys' comments, and there's a lot of them today on YouTube, but I can't, especially if you get, you know, get really nasty about it. And um, so I just, you know, letting you know, Chris, I appreciate you being here, but you seem to be on a really, a more extreme kick than normal. And Chris says he, but he's highly skeptical about the whole Jesus story. That's interesting. But he, well, I'm glad you believe in God, but um, I'm just going through your comments because I got a little behind here, but um but anyhow, that's enough of that. But uh, and it's good to see Georgia Ann here. Um, and Georgia Ann, she's and she's a Protestant. She doesn't need any middleman. I know that. I, my point was that, however you look at it, I think that um, it's uh, it serves a good purpose because it really does. It's an it's an un, an unburdening of the conscience, and I think that's always a good thing. And um, Thank you, John Lawler. Lots of people are sending Bodhi's tree. Uh, who says I'm a charmer? That's interesting. Who was it? I think it was John Lawler. That was you're the one that loves my shirts and always talk about. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, you know to tell you the truth, I, I have a lot of nice shirts that um, since I'm a full time writer. I mean, what else am I going to wear other than interviews or when I go in my monthly luncheon engagement with the wonderful Vince Agnelli and crew. Uh, I, I will try to wear better shirts there, but most of the time it's like, you know, what am I, I'm just writing. I'm being comfortable. So I don't, I don't work anymore. I used to wear shirts you know, like this to work. So I appreciate you liking them. And of course I just depend on my wife or my daughter to buy them for me. Cause I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, John Lawler is little John, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I remember you as the, uh, as the guy that liked my shirt, uh, shirts on the uh, Rockford before as well. Good works are the fruit of the spirit, but it's not what saves us. Jeannie Poole says, yeah, I understand. It's not. Uh... And Ron, okay, Ron says it logs me out sometimes, but it shut down. To... Okay. So you just, you weren't literally, I can't imagine you that anybody could kick you out, Rhonda. Come on. That would have to be hard. But um, so over again, I thank uh, again, Christy, Ripperger, Ripperger, and then we have Mark Asher. Thanks for your tips. Little John's over there. Uh, Chris Graves was there. Chris Graves has his own show going on now. So uh, Jason Barker, of course. 
Some of you are in both places. Uh, Marsh Wiggle. So I'm not seeing as many people over there today because there's so many here. Vince Agnelli's in both places. Rhonda was there until she got booted out or shut down. But here, here we have tons of people. I don't know if I can even find anybody. But again, I appreciate everyone. It's good to see the lovely George Ann here, the lovely Rhonda Tate here. Um, George said, anyone who doesn't believe in evil is blind. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's just, I don't know how you can deny it. And, uh, but that, see, that's, I think that's the problem we face is with, um, with most people, most human beings, and especially um, it started with the homosexual community where they understand, I mean, they, they you know, I, I don't know to what extent. I, I think that the sex drive uh, can be created and certainly manipulated. I don't think anybody is born gay. I just, I just don't believe that. I know that's, you know, that's heresy in today's uh, crazy world. But, um, and I think if you look back on almost all of the male homosexuals, almost all of them had a strained relationship with their father or no relationship. They had a, an over, uh, overprotective mother, overbearing mother. That's just, that's just the way it is. But it's, I think that it's a reaction to finally society being taken over by people who say it's okay, it's cool, that's okay to do that. And I, I think I don't, I don't want to go back to, uh, you know, I remember the day, you know, being, I was never around it, but I would have tried to intervene if, you know, Marines especially used to go around looking to beat up gays. I mean, that's, I don't understand that. And I think there's something actually homoerotic about it to them, maybe their own gayness they're feeling or something, but, uh, so I was on their side, you know, I didn't want to beat up. I wanted to be, and I don't, I don't care about what goes on behind closed doors as, as a libertarian back then, we called it victimless crimes. That's an antiquated expression now, but it's become celebrated now. It's like obesity. You know, people say, well, how can you wrote, you wrote uh, on bar, you wrote um, polyocracy. And certainly so many people are fat. And I was a really fat kid. Like I said, I looked like a little Eric Cartman. And I kind of had his personality too, which is how I survived, I guess, because I was very witty and I could kind of just diffuse things with, you know, making jokes. But uh, so I'm the last person that wants people made fun of for their looks, but they're celebrating it now. There's something wrong about that. There's something wrong about, uh, you know, trotting out a 400 pound woman in a thong and saying, you go girl. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's just, it just, it isn't right it's a celebration of, of, of something that is unhealthy to begin with. And is certainly not as attractive as it isn't. And I, I don't see anything wrong with uh, celebrating beauty. So it's uh, we've gone way too far. And the same thing with, with the gays. Again, I don't, I, I don't think, I think they should have, obviously I don't want them discriminated against. I want that. I don't want them thrown in jail. I don't want to be people jailed for those kinds of uh, consenting acts anymore, but it's, it's being celebrated and it's just, it's going one step further now with the transgender stuff. And again, it's, that's a slippery slope and you see what happens when you start going down it. Um, okay. I'm just looking at these people there. I'm just making see if I missed any comments here. Miss Georgianne again, scripture I just quoted. Yes, she's, she's uh, Georgian is the one. She's really cool. And I'm glad she's here. I don't see her that often, Georgia. So I'm glad you're here. And uh, I love John Barber too. And his 90th birthday is coming up. So we'll see. Maybe we'll have an on air birthday party for him again, like we did last year. 
there's around a quote in the Bible. But yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what was going on in the world, but we only have, uh, you know, we've got like a little over 10 minutes left. But you basically have the crazy, and I if, I hope all of you follow me at Substack, donaldjeffries.substack.com. If you don't, you shouldn't. It's called I Protest, just like this show. Easy to find. I wrote, um, I wrote one called Planes, Trains, and Climate Change. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, and it's uh, it goes over the crazy train derailments and the lack of uh, and the the climate change insanity, and it is insane. There's no question about it. There's you know we have uh, you have uh, people like uh, Greta Thunberg. You're not going to see them there, and the poor people of Palestine, Ohio. And yeah, I do think it's strange that it's Palestine, just like Palestine. It's somebody saying we're all Palestinians now, um, and you know this this poor area of. Uh, I don't think the story makes much sense that, uh, sure, a train can derail, but I don't think, uh, you know, Mayor Buttcheeks or whatever, you know, saying that uh, we've had a thousand train derailments. Uh, what did he say? A thousand train derailments every month? Or, no, every year? A thousand every year? So basically three every day? Really? I mean, is that I, that doesn't sound right to me. If so, again, that should be a test. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. That, uh, But the idea that, okay, derailed, but what who is making the decision that you have this incredibly toxic chemical and we're going to explode it into the atmosphere. And uh, it's, it's uh, to me, that's unbelievable. And I, I, I just, I can't understand that. And the fact that it's being, uh, you know, uh, glossed over by uh, both um, Buttigieg and Biden and everyone else, FEMA has rejected these people again, F federal emergency management agency what does this doesn't qualify as emergency what are we paying what's their budget for they can't come in and stop this these poor people uh their animals and fish are dying we don't know what it's going to long-term effect is going to do on the environment and the what used to be called environmentalists the climate change activists who I've, I've written many times don't care at all about the environment they're not ecologists if they were they would have been out there protesting beep the bp oil spill i don't think you've ever heard greta thunberg say bp how dare she not do that but she's not going to talk about this either because this is all about virtue signaling. And um, Swampy McGee is saying, I'm going with the we. I'm not sure what that means. What does that mean? And yes, Georgiana Sanders. What is what means going with the e, we? I'm not sure about that. Um, there's James Marshall. Good to see you. I tried getting Jim Goad back on. Was that the... Uh, is that the guy that I had connection problems with? I'm not sure. Um, I try to get the guests I, I, you know, that I can have on, but I get you know, a lot of you send me requests, and certainly Marianne's Marilyn was the one who uh, suggested Eben, who was a great guest. And uh, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it was last week or the week before the one the guy didn't work out. He had a bad connection, and then he got mad at me over Streamyard, and. Um, Chris Buckin says he criticizes other groups too. He's like Muslims, Mormons, or Scientologists should be running things either. Many of them the same kind of money. Sure. I mean, that's it's just that, uh, and we should talk about, you know, um, Rhonda Tate is selling, <laughs> Swampy McGee's all over the place. I don't believe Rhonda Tate is selling Kamala and black reparations. Rhonda, have you, uh, are you on the board for reparations? I don't believe that. Okay, Georgia Ann, then Roman Catholics are not Christian. Okay, Georgia Ann, you know I love you. But, uh, and again, I'm not a religious person. But, uh, I mean, I'm, as far as, you know, organized religion. 
That's okay. See, um, why do the heathens rage? Good to see you here and see. I think most of them were sex. Well, yeah, I think, and I think that's what you know. You that's what you find. You find that uh, most of them were, in fact, and they repeat the cycle. And uh, nobody wants to hear that because everyone wants to think it's just a, a choice. But why would why would that be a natural choice? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And even if you if you believe in evolution and the scientific God, which these people do, then that wouldn't make any sense. Why would science uh, put that in some people? To Because uh, the idea of sex is supposed to be to propagate the species. Now we're doing everything to stop that, as we know, because we have eugenicists who don't want uh, the, the population to uh, increase. Georgian says, I love, Georgian, I love it when you call me doll. Nobody calls, I don't know that anybody ever called me dolly when I was, that's kind of an antiquated expression, but I have to love it. She says, sodomy is illegal. Really? Is it? I didn't know that sodomy is illegal. I, I don't know. I didn't know that. Well, in this case, uh, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of people running around that, uh, that, uh, you know, are, are, are lucky they're not behind bars, but, uh, and there really is, you know, this and I, I, being a libertarian when I was young, I had a lot of uh, these. Um, you know, our credo was, you know, we don't care about victimless crime, so we didn't really care about this stuff. What you were doing with your own private life behind closed doors, but the problem is, it's not. Nothing's done in private anymore, you know. I guess maybe the really bad stuff, sorry that we get hints of it, the stuff with children and everything, but even that, you know, maybe that's. Maybe that's going to be coming out of the closet, too, because we know certainly that seems to be what people think is the next step, you know, that you're going to say, well, what, you know, why not? What, you know, what, what is the, because what really is the difference between some of this stuff? I mean, is it, if you look on the perversion scale, um, is it, is it morally more reprehensible to have sex with children or to sexually mutilate them? I don't know. I don't know. Just asking the question. I, I think again, you can. You know, once we, once we go down that line, that uh, when we go down that road, and that's why that road is one we shouldn't want to go. You know, uh, but uh, certainly lots and lots of stuff to uh, to discuss here. And again, I appreciate everybody that's uh, coming. We're rolling up on the five minutes there. Do you have any more questions? Whip them at me. I'm just checking. this. I love to see this many people on YouTube. And thank you. Rhonda says, great show with DK today. Yeah, it was a wonderful David Knight. And it's real. I love, of course, being on with Tony when he guest hosts there, but it's uh, it's pretty cool being on with uh, David himself. And, uh, you know, he'll have me. I'll be back on because my book about COVID, The Masking the Truth, is very close to being done. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it is done, but, I mean, it's just going to the final. My my friend Peter Seacosh, who's the best editor I know, is going over a final proofread. Thank you, Harlan Stonewall. Great to see you here too. Glad you could finally make it. Survival of the Richest is a great book. That I, well, I'll, people that read it read it say that, uh, but not enough people are reading it. So we need uh, more people check it out because that's uh, certainly uh, certainly uh, you know the, the hidden history books are the ones that uh, most people read. George Ann says, "Will John be on with you for number 90? Uh, I want to do something like that. Yeah, I want, but I want to, what I want to do is I got to talk to Tony about it because I was on uh, the, the Donald Jeffrey show last year. We did it with Chuck O'Chelly and he, uh, he was, I was able to coordinate. I don't know if those of you who listened to it, if you didn't, you should go back and listen to the archives. 
I organized what I thought was a pretty cool thing. And he appreciated it where I had, uh, we had a couple celebrities. I asked several of the celebrity friends, but we got Mike Farrell from MASH and his wife, Shelly Fabres from the Donna Reed show and Johnny Angel. They called in. Um, we had, uh, who else did I have? Gosh, I, I, well, we ended up getting his son, his sister. Um, we had uh, Stu Showstack, who I've been on a show since then, is a big show business insider. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, uh, lots of people. So if you can go back and listen to that, that's what I would try to do again if I could and try to get uh, more of his, uh, you know, of course, his, most of his show business friends are, are gone because, you know, he's outlived most of them. Um, Sam Bodie Street said, you're in a position that you can interview many, some actors that have faded off. Yeah, that seems the case. <laughs> Those are right. Yeah, that, that's, and I try to do that because I'm fascinated by them. That's on Bard fame. That's basically what it's about. I'm, uh, you know, fascinated by the concept of fame and how fleeting it is. So, yeah, that's, um, and I, the reason I don't have it more on this show, because I don't know the audience would like this talking just for the show, but I think something like a John Barber birthday celebration would be good. Um, James Marshall says, in, in modern Christianity is messed up culture as well. I can't, you know, organized, organized Christianity is not exactly a, an argument for it. That's for sure. George Ann says, he's Christian. Jesus wasn't religious. That's why he brought the poor Pilate and crucified. It was the Pharisee. Pharisee. That's exactly right. If you read the New Testament, that's what Jesus is doing most of the time. He is, uh, he's, he's bad-mouthing the Pharisees who are the religious leaders of his day, the Jewish leaders, John, uh, Chris Buchan. John Lauder says, do you like burgers, son? I do love burgers, John, very much. I'm a huge burger fan. If a, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be my last meal if they ever decided to execute me. I think that would be the traditional turkey dinner, Thanksgiving turkey dinner, but it would be right up there. It's It's been my favorite food since I was a kid. I love a good burger and fries, absolutely. I just love hamburger. I don't, I don't really eat red meat except for hamburger meat here and there. Uh, let's see. Have anything else? And Rhonda says it's a great book, Harlan. And Rhonda Tate's mother, believe it or not, is the 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 person, only person I know present who was reading my novel, The Unreals. So hopefully she'll advertise it, and more people will go out there and read it. Uh, and it's I very much support uh, the family there. So I don't know. Am I supposed to sign off myself with Tony coming on? There's Tony. There he is. Cool. I was just listening in the background, Don. Yeah, we can uh, we can take you take you off air. It's about uh, thirty more seconds if you want to. Uh do your uh, uh, normal sign off sir cool sounds good okay it says so uh, were you listening she was yeah, a great guest wasn't she great guest and i'm glad she stayed um it was yeah we were talking in the back office and she was only going to stay for an hour but uh that that happens when you're talking to don jeffrey sometimes you just <laughs> continue to talk he makes radio easy <laughs> well that's great i appreciate it tony so yeah thanks everybody for listening of course tomorrow we'll be on at uh, noon on america unplugged and uh, so we'll be talking to you then. I appreciate everybody for listening in. Thanks for the tips at Rockfin. Thanks for all the attention here on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you next week at this time. Take it easy.